Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brian Salvatore. Today, my co-host Chris McShane and I are joined by Mets PR legend Jay Horowitz. In addition to working for the Mets for 40 years, Jay just authored a new book called Mr. Met, How a Sports Mad Kid from Jersey Became Like Family to Generations of Big Leaguers. The book tells stories from all the players you hope you hear about. It talks about some really important people in his life. It talks about the joy of working for the Mets and so much more. So we got a chance to talk with Jay a few weeks ago about the book, and I think what comes across in this conversation is just how much Jay really felt like the Mets were and are his family, and that's a really rare thing to find in baseball or anywhere else. And so enjoy Chris and I chatting with Jay Horowitz. We are joined on the line tonight by Jay Horowitz. He is a longtime legend of PR in the sports field. He has a new book out called Mr. Met. It talks about his 40 years working for the New York Mets. Jay, thank you so much for making the time for us tonight. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Of course. So uh, both Chris and I had a chance to read the book. And one of the things that I was struck with in the book is just the the consistency of a baseball team is 
almost non-existent. You know, players come and go, managers come and go, sometimes owners come and go. But you were a part of the Mets for a very, very long time. And I wonder, yeah. as you're looking yeah. back on your, you know, 40 years with the team, when you think back to the golden age, what was that for you? What period was the golden age for you? Well, probably the best period we've had with the Mets, it was 84 to 90. Uh, we probably averaged about 93, 94 wins a year. We won 108 games in the championship in 86, 100 games in uh, in, in 88. And, you know, that was probably, we were like, if they had the walk card back then, we, we would have been in the playoffs every year, you know. And, and uh, unfortunately, you know, the, in 88, when Sochi hits a home run against Doc, it kind of, you know, we should have won the Dodgers series. We had beaten seven eleven times that year. But that's probably that in my forty years yeah, that's probably the most consistent run we've ever had. But in terms of working for the team, was that also the most fun time working as as a yeah, part of the Mets? Yeah, it was kind of like like being a PR guy, but I never really tried to let how the record was affect how I did the job. I tried to be professional every day. I had a couple of main philosophies. Treat Every player on the team, like he was the number one player, I tried to treat the 25th guy like he was the number one guy. I never tried, I, I couldn't lie, especially in this market. If you're working in, say, Kansas City or Seattle, there's maybe one or two papers. You know, in New York, there's 25, 30, 40 people there in a, in a game. And if once, you, once you lose your credibility, you're, you're a dead person. So I try to be, be honest. Maybe not tell everything I knew, but not lie, because if you get caught in one lie, you're, as a PR guy, you're a dead person, and try and treat every player like he was the number one guy on the team. Those are my two guiding principles that I went through uh, in all my years with the Mets. Going back to, to some of that, um, you know, reading about the people that you have worked with that you wrote up in the book, um, and, you know, being familiar with, the sort of the cast of characters, especially over the last decade or so, you know, um, Brian and I were both young. I was too young to remember the 86 team to have any memory of it. Right. I don't, um, and you know, Brian, Brian and I, Brian and I are close in age, but you know, going back, um, were there any characters that stood out like in, in our time of being fully conscious adults who were tuned into the Mets you know, every day we know R.A. Dickey, um, you know, was well-read and, and like talking about that, um, you know, we know certain characters come through who aren't necessarily, you know, the superstars, the, the David Wrights, the Mike Piazzas. Um, were there any characters from, you know, back when we were a little bit younger that uh, maybe they even got covered, but that we just didn't know about? Well, I mean, I go way back. I mean, in 1980, my first year here, we had a guy named uh, Dyer Miller, who was a relief pitcher, and his claim to fame was, and back then, we, we did cow milking contests in, like in Chicago, St. Louis, and Cincinnati. Dyer Miller was uh, undefeated in cow milking contests. He was a relief <laughs> pitcher. He was a he became a coach with the Cardinals. Doug Flynn in the early years, he, he signed a really a first, second long-term contract for a Mets player, five years, but his claim to fame was he sang uh, with the Oak Ridge Boys and the Loretta Lynn Band. But on the night he signed his contract, uh, I had a great idea. We had it at a country and western place out of Manhattan, and Frank Cash, who was a GM at the time, I convinced him to, to wear a cowboy hat during a press conference. And unfortunately for me, 
when, when he took the picture, the hat slid down over his face, and the next day in the Daily News and the Post, he looked like Elmer Fudd with the cowboy hat slid <laughs> down. It wasn't a very good picture, but probably the most the, the, the top character I've worked with in my years with the Mets a little bit later is, you know, Johnny Franco, who we got from the Reds in the, in the, in the 90s. You know, he had a great career, 14 years, and every I could have written a whole book and all the practical jokes that Johnny played on me. Probably the best joke ever was uh, we're in a hotel, in the Biltmore Hotel in Los Angeles, and Johnny had the great idea. He unscrewed a horse head from the lobby, went up to my room, got my keys to my room, uh, set the lights up in my room, put the horse head under my pillows, got cut, catch it, put it on bed sheets, and when I walked into my room, I thought I would have, was having a heart attack. But Johnny would do things. He would, you know, put uh, rats in my work bag, put uh, ice cream in my, in my suit pockets, uh, put white out on my glasses when I when I travel. But and you know, Johnny told me one thing. He said, "Jay, going on to one thing: if the players don't like you, they won't screw with you." And so I guess through the years, the guys liked me because in all my forty years, they they screwed me a lot, and I always took it the right way that. You know, in the locker room, it's kind of a different mentality, guys. If you let stuff affect you, if you let, you know, that kind of stuff, and you, 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 you won't have any impact in the locker room. I roll with the punches. I was always okay with having a joke playing on me. I knew it was meant from love. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, you know, you mentioned being in the clubhouse, and I'm sure that the culture around baseball has changed considerably you know, in your time working for the Mets. What is the biggest change sort of in ballpark culture, in, in culture among the players since you started working with the Mets? It, it's Twitter, no question. I mean, when I first started, something was injured. And now, my last couple of years, the guy hardly wrote any releases. The agents did it over Twitter. The players did it or leaked out. or It's it just... And, and the thing itself is to have the to be with and let the players know, be aware who you with, who going up in elevator. Remember, it's even Michael Phelps almost ruined his career. I guess he was somebody put on Twitter. He was smoking pot at a, in a party or something like that. Just the players have to be aware more of what's going on. You literally get away from the cell phone or or tweet or you know be careful with the tweet. You know, I mean. The, Stuff in the, in the papers, guys losing their job. Just with the, the players, they have to be more, much more, is much more media, much more, you know, the, the, in the locker room. There's a lot of, you know, mainstream media is more. 
parties. It wasn't anything like this. You know, it was all, you know, certain papers, and but now it's branched off in a lot of different areas. The players have to be much more alert than the players were when I first started. Sort of in a, in a similar spirit there, um, you know, I know you write in the book, um, you, you know, you mentioned joining Twitter yourself. Um, the the day-to-day of dealing (laughs) (laughs) but but yeah that that sort of day-to-day obviously you know you're keeping an eye on the uh you know what the players are doing and and that's your top priority but you know over the decades that you worked with the team how did your consumption of the stories um you know change over the decades i know uh and, and you know any other industry you know, you, you might go from, uh, you know, collect, collecting clips from newspapers and distributing them and all that. You know, obviously, we're, we're in a very different time now. Um, but, you know, what was your observation of the change of sports media in New York City as, you know, things shifted from print only to, to a hybrid? And, and we're still in that hybrid mode. But, you know, even the traditional papers, obviously, most people are reading them on a computer, a tablet, a phone. Yeah, you, know. you have a much, much more things. I mean, like uh, you know, before with a locker room up, I would be with two to what I'll give with a guy like John Heyman or Ted Rosenthal or Buster Olney or Joel Sherman wrote to make the manager aware, to make the GM aware before you know. I didn't, I didn't expect the manager or or Terry Collins or my last years or. But Bobby Valentine, Willie Randolph weren't looking at Twitter all the time. So before we had the press conference, we used to just make them aware of, you know, what the what the kind of leading guys in the business are saying, so they're not cut short. Like if there's a rumor out there, just to make the GM or the manager aware what's out there, so they're not court straight. You know, court, court. I always took pride. I didn't want. And when they held the press conference or manager briefing, you know, when it. They were aware of it. Took a front to that. But it was my job to make them aware, so at least they would know what to say or be aware of what was out there. So just, just many, many more things to monitor. Yeah, is there? Um, you know, thinking back to some stories uh, that that you hear as a baseball fan over the years. I know on the Camden Yards tour, they love telling a story where uh, Ken Rosenthal, since you mentioned his name. Uh, you know, he was a beat reporter covering the Orioles at the time. I, I forget who the player was, but he had written something about a player, and then shortly thereafter, a foul ball comes back off that player's bat and, you know, smashes Ken Rosenthal's laptop. Um, you know, are there any, sto- like, funny stories that stand out from the press box of, uh, you know, a writer that every Mets fan knows that, you know, had something no, happen I mean, I just, along those lines. To me, what happened to me is that my eyesight is not good. I, I think if, if you read the book, you know, I made aware that you know I was born um, uh, blind in my right eye, and I got an artificial eye when I was twelve or thirteen. That was one of the reasons why I wrote the book to kind of be an inspiration to kids who were born with a disability that you can make it up for yourself. So I used to like to watch the games through binoculars. Of course, it would help me see the bullpen and I, you know, in, in the game. So more than once, I got a foul ball right my binoculars and cracked my binoculars. <laughs> I didn't see the ball coming, and I'd be watching the games. 
you know, I, nobody gave me a hand up the ball. With, you know, I never was hurt seriously, but more than once or twice, the book came up. My binoculars, and uh, I didn't have my binoculars. And I, I don't think I'd be here talking to you guys today. But a lot of times, I remember when uh, guy Kevin Kiernan used to write for the Post. Once it went away, get something to eat, a foul ball came, and uh, you know, and, and would crack the computer. But it really took a lot to get in. To the you know, there wasn't a whole lot of when practice I can remember, you know. But but I got hit more than once in my binoculars. I can tell you that. <laughs> Now, uh, one of the things that I was curious about in reading the book was, you know, you talk a lot about the good relationships that you had with certain players and how you, know, you saw yourself right. as, as a protector of them, as a gatekeeper for them. Was there a player that you right. started off with a rocky relationship with that by the end of their tenure, you guys were particularly close? Well, I mean, I, I, I pride myself, guys. I never really had an adversarial relationship with anybody, even, you know, I don't know if you guys are too young to remember, too old, the, you know, Dave Kingman, mm-hmm. kind of back in the early 1980s, he actually lived, lived with my, lived in my, at my house for, for a couple of, t- couple of, couple of weeks. I mean, I, I took it to myself when we got a guy in the trade to, to uh, introduce myself as we traded or for, hey, right today, he said, where's the you know, when kids want to go to school. So, I mean, you know, I was 39, 40, you know, you know, with Mookie and you know, Lee Mazzilli and, you know, and Sid and Bobby O'Hader, you know, they're still my closest friends, you know, because of the, you know, of the age difference. And I still, you know, of course, Daryl and Doc, I think, you know, God, they, they help me out with interviews and stuff like that. But, you know, then going into the 2000s, you know, when, when David Wright came up and, uh, you know, David was one guy, as good of a player as he was, he was a hundred times better person, you know, and I grew with, uh, I kind of didn't really have, uh, you know, one guy that was, I kind of tried to make everybody feel comfortable, like, you know, Vance Wilson was a catcher, he did a lot of charity stuff, he wasn't the number one guy. It, it, players are not stupid guys. And if they see him in the locker room catering to the to the all star guys, it, it kind of is a bad vibe. And I, that's one of the things I pride myself on to be available to the Trouble Queens, to the Van Wilsons, you know, uh, of the world, to the, you know, to Kim Perez. It's like trying to treat everybody equally. Now, I have to ask this question as a as a fellow Passaic County resident. I'm uh, I'm up in Ringwood uh, in Passaic right. County, and uh, you know you you've lived your whole life, you know, or most of your life in in Clifton, New Jersey, and you're right. Uh, right. you know you're coming over the bridge every day. And uh, was there ever a time where? You just felt the call of the city, but for whatever reason, decided to stay in Jersey. You know what? What is it about Clifton that has kept you here all these years? I had animals my whole life. You know what I mean? People here, I was security animals. I just like to think of getting away. You know, having some. Yeah, Clifton's not a big town. You know, the grass and stuff like that. And I just, I'm a big football giant fan, so I'm close to the. The Giants. I'm not a great guy. Get up uh, five o'clock in the morning, be at my desk at six six thirty, do an email, and we get we yeah, stay for the game. We leave at twelve twelve thirty. Get on the one o'clock, 
and you start your routine all over again. These weren't great, so but but it was. I, I just like to get away, you know. I mean, I not, not that I don't. I just like the the being there and it's great to the park where I live. I just got comfortable here uh, living here. Never really wanted to move. As a lifelong Jersey resident, I get it. I do. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I I have not lived in Jersey, but I, I know in the book you write about. Uh, somebody who obviously was very special to you and the organization, um, Shannon Ford, who I had the pleasure of getting to know just a little bit, you know, nowhere near as well as you knew her over the course of the time that you yeah. had worked together. Um, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to write the book was not to let people forget about Shannon. Uh, she passed away from breast cancer in, in uh, the spring of 2016. And when she, after she died, you were, you know, nine major league teams held a moment of silence with her, for her. We held that. We had a memorial service at, at, at City Field. You know, David Wright spoke. There's over a thousand people were there, and with Major League Baseball, they they built they helped build a park in her name in her hometown of Little Ferry, Shannon, Dorton Ford Field. You know, high schools and um, colleges play on the field. So I just wanted people, you know, she had so much courage. She fought her way to the World Series in 2015. The cancer really spread all over her body, but she wanted to work there. And uh, it was nice at the end. You know, Jeff Wilpon presented her husband with a ring after she passed away. So she was really, like, she was like the daughter I never had, guys. And I just didn't want people to forget about her. That's why I wrote, I have a nice chapter on her in the book. Yeah, no, and, you know, like I said, it was, that limited interaction, you know, for me relative to to you. Um, but in dealing with her, you know, in, in the first couple times I went down to Port St. Lucie, um, and it's some of the nights that she put together for our site and other sites like ours. Um, at, yeah, she got she at got City it. Field. She she got the fact that it was getting to be a different kind of media, and honestly, she would push me to make sure you, you take care of you guy. You know, I mean, she was the one. Was really more tuned to the, the you know different sites than I was in the beginning, and she said, "Jay, this is the coming future. You got to take care of these people." I don't know if you did. She organized some meetings with the GM and players on separate nights, if I remember correctly, and she was the you know driving force behind that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and the the access that that we had that you know during the time working with her. Um, yeah, and, she, you know, she got it. She, she, yeah, yeah, no, she and she was great. And every, everything that everybody has always said, um, you know, that she treated you the same, whether you were David Wright or Mike Piazza or me. Right. Uh, and she and, did. And, yeah, it, it's it's really, you know, legitimate. Uh, you know, it's not, people aren't just making that up. So I, I thought it was very fitting yeah, no to, uh, you know, to, to write that final chapter of the book about her because she really was, you know. Yeah. Uh, an invaluable part of the team. Yes, she was. She'll always be in my heart, guys. I can tell you that. Thanks for listening to Amazing Avenue in Conversation. We always appreciate it. You can follow Jay Horowitz on Twitter at J underscore Horowitz PR. You can follow Chris at Chris McShane. You can follow me at Brian Needs an App. You can follow Amazing Avenue at Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go to AmazingAvenue.com for all your Mets needs. And remember, let's go Mets. Let's go Mets.